Hi, church family and friends. I'm Kathy Lindsay, and I'm here with today's encouragement. So when I was a young mom with young kids and knew very few people in my community, I, like probably many of you can relate to, would sometimes get bogged down with the responsibilities of babies and toddlers. And I remember one thing that helped almost immediately was just simply stepping outside. That shift from looking down at the details of my immediate concerns to looking out to treetops and sky allowed me to gain perspective. It often just brought me the peace I was looking for. Similarly, when we can shift our focus from our immediate needs to the broader perspective of God's story, the peace of God can settle our spirits. When I took the class, Perspectives on the World Christian Movement, that our church hosted this fall, one of the big themes was looking at the overarching narrative of the Bible, God's super plan, as one speaker dubbed it. I think it can help us to gain perspective on our current troubles and bring peace when we look to God's meta-narrative. It can do this by reminding us there's an overarching plan put in place and being worked out by a good and loving and perfect God. And it can shore up our hope to be reminded that we know the end of the story. I work at Exeter High School and in one of the English classes we read a, a, an article entitled The Psychological Comforts of Storytelling. While I would agree with some of the reasons given in the article for why we tell stories, I think that at the deepest level, we are imitating the way God set up the world. Stories resonate with us because they echo the structure of God's grand story, his meta-narrative, which has exposition, conflict, rising action, climax, falling action, and resolution. In sweeping terms, we can look at God's story in four parts, creation, the fall, redemption, and restoration. If you've ever read a story with no real conflict, it falls flat. It isn't even really a story, but just a retelling of events. And the ultimate truth of God's plan, there is a cosmic conflict that is being played out in the heavenly places, while at the same time it manifests itself in the day-to-day -day struggle with sin. But this conflict leads to a striking and wonderful climax. God's own son sent to die for sinful humanity, which leads to a glorious resolution where Jesus will return and all will be set right and God's perfect kingdom will reign forever. The beauty of redemption is magnified and the glory of restoration is heightened because of the conflict. It's in this redemption and restoration that our hope lies. For those who believe in Jesus Christ, we know the hero of the story and we know the end of the story. So in these times of uncertainty, when we're asking all kinds of questions, like will I get sick or will someone I love get sick? When will we be able to gather for worship or big backyard barbecues? Will I have a job? Can I find flour and ground beef at the grocery store? What will graduation look like for my high schooler? Will my college age 
son or daughter be able to return to school in the fall? How long will I be working from home and trying to teach my kids at the same time? Really, when will life return to normal? But in these times, we look to what is certain. Our future hope of glory brought about by Christ's redeeming work gives us the ability to say, all is well. So let's see what the Bible has to say about this. I'm going to read first from 1 Peter 1, 2 through 9. May the great, sorry, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. What a great way to start. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. And the second passage I'm going to read from is in Philippians chapter 3, verse 20 chapter 4 verse 1 but our citizenship is in heaven and from it we await a Savior the Lord Jesus Christ who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself therefore my brothers whom I love and long for my joy and crown stand firm thus in the Lord my beloved do you hear the hope in those verses? You see where our true home is, that our citizenship is in heaven? Do you see how Jesus has wrought our salvation and how we'll be transformed? And do you see how our faithfulness, especially in trials, brings glory to Jesus? I know I can use a perspective shift from time to time and the focus on our glorious redemption and our coming restoration can do just that. We know the hero of the story, and we know the end of the story. So I'm going to leave you with a picture from a master storyteller himself, C.S. Lewis. This is from his Chronicles of Narnia, and it's his last book called The Last Battle. I'm going to read the last pages of it. So just enjoy this picture of restoration and our ultimate hope. And soon they found themselves all walking together, and a great bright procession it was, up toward mountains higher than you can see in this world, even if they were there to be seen. But there was no snow on those mountains, 
There were forests and green slopes and sweet orchards and flashing waterfalls, one above the other, going up forever. The light ahead was growing stronger. Lucy saw that a great series of many-colored cliffs led up in front of them like a giant staircase. And then she forgot everything else, because Aslan himself was coming, leaping down from cliff to cliff, like a living cataract of power and beauty. And then Aslan goes on to explain to them that they've died in their own world and that they've left the Shadowlands behind. And he says, the term is over, the holidays have begun. The dream is ended, this is the morning. And as he spoke, he no longer looked to them like a lion. But the things that began to happen after that were so great and beautiful, I cannot write them. And for us, this is the end of all the stories. And we can most truly say that they all lived happily ever after. But for them, it was only the beginning of the real story. All their life in this world and all their adventures in Narnia had only been the cover and the title page. Now at last, they were beginning chapter one of the great story which no one on earth has read, which goes on forever, in which every chapter is better than the one before.